Hi, welcome to this week's Football Annie podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes. We're reaching the end of the season, but we still have lots to discuss. This time, we'll be talking about the aftermath of the Kane vs Baker win for Vitesse, previewing Ajax v Lyon, final season, and as well as a little chat about the Dutch national team. We hope you enjoy this week's pod. Make sure to always send in your Twitter questions for us to read out. And we hope you enjoy. Make sure to give us a like and subscribe where you can. Let's start with RZ Vitesse. Vitesse won the, the final of the Dutch Cup 2-0. Mika van Volkswinkel with both the goals. Um, what did you think Vitesse deserved to win the trophy? Uh, I Last week I said that RZ would win. I said that if anyone could really swing the game in Vitesse's favour, it would be Van Wallerswinkel. He had two shots, two goals, and that's basically the the striker he's been this season. Um, as it as it dominated the first half, they had a lot of chances. That chance that Vegos missed, where uh, Jahan Bash crossed for him, that that was a big chance. Uh, considering the pressure they put in, the way they dominated, because um, Vitesse only had uh, one chance and uh, at the start of the half and one chance at the end, and in the middle of that was all as it. So I think it was very wasteful, but very very deserved for Vitesse because even in the first half, um, they were trying to impose themselves. Voitens was just so good in front of the back four, they covered well. But when they finally managed to get that ball into Van Velleswinkel, it was you felt that it was over, and um, he scored again. And that was the difference because Vitesse had a really, really, you know, high-class striker who was very efficient and did his job. I think. Uh, as I said at the start, two two goal, two shots, two goals. Uh, you can't in a final in a final. You can't ask for anyone more efficient than that. Um, yes, um, I think I was the only member of the pod to advocate that Vitesse Arnhem would uh, would win the cup last uh, last week. So I was quite happy with that. Um, all of the all of the Dutch media and a lot of uh, neutral clubs appear to be happy for Vitesse winning the very first prize, uh, very first trophy in their history. I think it is deserved. I think it's. Um, I think that, as I mentioned in the last pod, they have characters. They have characters such as Baker, such as Krausberg, such as Ambrosius, who showed their worth. And um, and I think you know it wasn't it wasn't the most dynamic final, but. Finals are often um, are often um, tepid affairs, but um, I think it's deserved. And um, also, uh, well done to Hank Fraser, the manager of Vitesse. It's his first season at the club, having left uh, having left Den Haag, and um, um, to win a to win a major trophy or, or the most or the trophy that was most accessible, uh, um, most feasible for um, for Vitesse is very impressive indeed. So I think it's a great um, it's great. Um, it's it's great it's great for the clubs. It will give them a massive boost going forward. And looking ahead a little bit, gaining um, direct qualification to the Europa League, I can't see them. I can't see them being embarrassed in Europe. 
I mean, if you look at, um, to give you an example, when FC Groningen won the league, won the, won the cup, sorry, um, back in, I think it was 2015, they entered the Europa League in a group with uh, Slovan Liberec, Olympique Marseille and Sporting Braga. And they were absolutely outclassed by all three opponents. And uh, it really showed the level upon which they were. So uh, I think Vitesse will manage to keep uh, the majority of their players together. They've also signed the... Uh, Current captain of Heracles as well, who's, who chose Vitesse above um, above uh, Utrecht. That's Thomas Buns, I believe. And uh, it's, uh, the club are in a good place and uh, fantastic weekend for them. Yeah, so as a point your point, James, we say that they'll be able to keep most of their squad. I, I agree. They should be able to add a couple of extra Chelsea loanees next season and maybe of higher calibre as well because the players will want to come for the European experience and Chelsea will recognise that as well. Um, the main thing really, though, for me in in this cup final win, um, this answers one of the first questions we had actually on Twitter, uh, asking where the test can go from here. And um, it all depends on their owner, because uh, Jordania, the Georgian owner, um, came in um, with links to Abramovich over at Chelsea. And he promised this and that. He was very ambitious, but he didn't really produce the goods. And whilst the test had become... Uh, a good sub-top team, the the fans must have more ambitions when they have the stadium and the, as well as um, the, the, the Chelsea uh, links. But he said they get sent over very young players, but hopefully with the likes of Baker, he can go back and feed back to some of the players and you might start to see some bigger names, um, especially from the youth system, uh, come over to the test. And uh, it can only improve from there for the club, in my opinion. I think they can, it's quite a big gap to touch the top three. But we saw that one season where they had the luck and they had a Wilfred Bunny, who was a, a terrific striker, um, that they could challenge. And there was a point where the test could have tilted a, a title challenge, um, but it wasn't to be that time. We could see something similar again. But um, as we saw at Koninger when they were in the Europa League, they were a little bit outclassed and they never really carried a good season, um, despite finishing quite well you know, the season before they went into Europe. Let, let's see, though. I think. If, if they can buy a couple of players in the summer as opposed to freebies and loans um, and really improve the core of the team to add to the cashier in defence, then keep Elo Lohm in goal. Um, as we need to replace Baker, but Van Voorswinkel up front is a great spearhead and he, he's committed to the club for at least another season. Um, so they can only add, add to it, in my opinion. I think the price of Van Voorswinkel was, I think, €600,000. I think that's all that... Um, that amount uh, muted somewhere along the line. And, um, one thing that is a bit of a shame, if my memory serves me rightly, it wasn't so long ago that the capacity of the Gelderdom in Arnhem was reduced. And that was a bit of a shame. I think it was um, partly due to commercial reasons and the fact that they could never fill it to the rafters. And maybe with Europeans, um, a European adventure on the horizon, they could look into that again. Because the like you say, to catch the um, to catch the uh, the big three would be a big a big ask for them. Uh, when they had the title till under under the guidance of Peter Boss, they cut they fell away in the new year. And um, but I mean we have seen as well with uh, with and I know it's um, six years ago now, but when FC Twente won the league against all uh, against all uh, expectations, and um, they're in a they're in a very good place, and it's. Um, it's credit to the way the club is um, 
the way the club is uh, is gone about its business, and it's also a, a good um, a good example to clubs a little bit lower down the um, a little bit lower down the chain to realise if they do put things in place, uh, the right people in the right place and have the right approach, that they they again can um, can make giant strides in attracting. Uh, in the case of Fefi Testa, um, very good loan players from a, a very very good English club. So I think it's uh, it's extremely good for um, extremely good for Dutch football as well. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with you guys. First, also first trophy in 125 years, the 125 year history, and uh, they have a very good lineup as um, Bruins as. Um, James mentioned is a terrific piece of business, one of the best box-to-box midfielders in the Eredivisie, and he's been brilliant at um, Heracles for the last two seasons. Uh, Rashika uh, and uh, Van Veloswenko have, have been signed for the last two seasons. Rashika was a trainee um, the season before last, and then he was brought in, and he ended up being the best player last season, and He's scored less goals. He's been more of a provider for, for Van Wolleswijk this season, and um, that's worked wonders. I think big uh, Baker losing Baker could be a big a bigger loss than losing Nathan. Um, and in terms of uh, Chelsea Lodies, I think they've they've got a best squad. I'd non reliant on Chelsea Lodies for for um, a while now because. You know, they they got Butner, who has the Premier League title of Manchester United to his name, but he hasn't been able to get into the team. And now they've got oh, um, they've got a, a few talented young players coming through the academy, like Van, Van Perken, the Sandra Five from Sparta Rotterdam. So these are very talented young players, and I I do expect them to. At least uh, do something in Europe and uh, not be outclassed in the way that um, yeah, and just um, um, progress as they have because they've got a squad filled with players who are the permanent. I think quickly, just to quickly go back to the point of Thomas Bruns signing uh, from Heracles, it's and it's also a sign of the times. Where a player from here, the class has chosen Vitesse above um, above FC Utrecht. Normally, you would think that the player would choose uh, FC Utrecht, but I think it's a sign of his confidence um, that he has in the club and the way the club is going. And um, I also wanted to make a point about Lewis Baker. And um, I think as an uh, as an English player, to be playing abroad and to win a to win a trophy of significance. That can only serve as an uh, incentive for other English players should they get the opportunity to play abroad. I know that um, not many British players in general like to take the opportunity and there's not many of them around. But you would like to think that should they decide to take the plunge as time goes on, that you can really reap the benefits. And um, that can be, uh, I would like to think that, that Lewis Baker is not necessarily showing the way, but he's now won a trophy of significance as a very young professional footballer. And certainly not many players, British players, will would be able to say at the end of their careers that he's won a significant trophy in a foreign 
in a foreign climate. So I personally hope it serves as an incentive to fellow British players that if they are um, if they are um, courted by foreign players, but they take an opportunity to look at the um, to look at the interest and take the plunge because they may well also find themselves in a position where they can have success. Yeah, uh, you're right, James. In the, he's done about two interviews with the British media since leaving. He, he said that it's all it's all about mentality coming to Vitesse. Um, he said last season he didn't have the mentality, but this season he has it, and he's wanted to succeed, and he's been wanted to be an important player in the team to really prove himself to the Chelsea people and uh, to really do something at Vitesse, and it's worked out for him, and it shows that if you know, Vitesse, you know, bringing the players with the right mentality, they'll play uh, from Chelsea, they'll play the, and do well, but if they bring in players with, who are sort of content with playing, you know, play well at times, but when the going really gets hard, they, they, they'll, they'll sit on the bench because Vitesse don't have the team that you could walk into as a player right now. You have to work hard to get there, you know. Nathan hasn't been as influential as as, um, as Baker and has had to sit on the bench at times. So these are just the the signal of uh, what players that that um, that Vitesse uh, should be looking for 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 a team that's that's won another youth championship in the UK. And um, he, you also look at some of the ages of the players that they're buying. Bruins is 25. Uh, then Volkswagen is over 25. Budden is over 25. So they've bought a bit more experience to go with all the young talent that's coming through. And that's uh, that's really helped them this season. They You expect them to get a top 7 finish when last season they were, in the, they were top 4 and then they Peter Boss left and they, they, they just dropped. So it's good that they've been able to sustain uh, this season and, you know, also win a title. So, so that, that, that is a brilliant opponent. I look forward to seeing them in the summer and um, in the Europa League next season. Yeah, I wanted to make one final point about the test, um, particularly about what you're saying with the older players signing. Um, it's good, um, obviously, because it's more experienced and it's what the club needed. Um, and they have had quite a good rejuvenation uh, since the first half of the season because it was it was fairly poor and people were saying on Christmas, Hank Fraser's got to go. Um, but he's turned it around, fair play to him. Uh, and yeah, those those two names there, Butner and Van Vorswinkel, they both came through youth test as youth. And um, well, I say that actually, yeah, no, they both did. Um, and they've, they've both come back and they've added a bit of carrots to the team that was much needed. And it, it added to what Cashy has. And Baker's, it's all rubbed up on Baker as well, how that bit a bit more togetherness that the, 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 the club didn't really have before. It sort of felt a bit like a, a Chelsea B-side in the past. But that, that is all different now. And you can see a lot more spirit about, about the team. Um, and long may that continue for the club because it can only breed more confidence within it. Shall we skip from one competition to another then? Uh, we've got the Europa League tomorrow, which will be which is Wednesday tomorrow. Um, and Ajax v Lyon kicks off at five forty-five. Um, 
different time because it's before the Champions League match to be played tomorrow and it's not on Thursday for another reason. Um, what do you think of the game then? Um, we've previewed this game last week, but just briefly, though, what, 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 what are your predictions for the game? Um, and do we still see Lyon as a bridge too far or do we think that they're very culpable and perhaps, we could, perhaps Ajax could uh, get something out of the game? I think uh, with Lacazette not there for Leon, that's that's huge for them. And they are a beatable side. Ajax have um, climbed some some big uh, mountains this season. Copenhagen hadn't conceded a goal at home for a while, and then Ajax scored. And uh, against Legia, they they should have scored. Uh, they, had a, they had a goal that was disallowed, and they had many other chances. So and especially this match is at home, so Ajax will look to dominate. Uh, but as Paul said, um, they will put uh, Tete and Riedervold in the in the starting in the starting lineup um, for the suspended guys, and those are two able replacements. And they will look to push forward and press them. And Boz said that you know. Um, Leon will prefer to the counter-attack, so Ajax have to be efficient and have to impose the sound that way, and Ajax need to be more efficient than when they faced um, Schalke at home, because they played well, they can really move the ball around, they can really um, pin teams back and create really good chances, but it's all about finishing those chances, and just uh, there's certain things like uh, you know, we you hope for Eunice and Triori to bring the the shooting boots. Uh, they're good at stretching teams. They're good at cutting inside off off the off the off the wing, and being very very crucial in creating chances. But when when it comes when they have that extra space and they need to shoot from the from the from the edge of the box, they need to score and. Um, just uh, other things uh, like playing with Doberg. It's 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 weirdly different playing with Doberg than Traore up front because Traore is sort of uh, when he receives the ball with his back to go and when he's dropped deep when he drops deep he he sort of turns his man and you know looks to pass out wide or, or looks to drive into the box. Uh, uh, Doberg rather always looks for the early layoff. And he always looks to be an assister in that position rather than a scorer, because uh, Traore's decision making in that position is the decision making of a striker that wants to be in the box to score with the ball. But Dilberg looks to lay it onto someone else while he's in a deeper position, and that's important. But uh, the thing is that Ajax have got the rest. They were they were dead on their feet against PSV. They they lost and ended up conceding the championship. So they they this rest not playing this weekend and this being their first game since PSV, that's very important because you know Ziek had had a rest earlier this season and he came back and he was on rampage for the next month. So just the intensity these players play with and the efficiency and the weight it holds on their mind. Um, they need. It's important that they they're refreshed going into this game and they're ready to really push 
uh, Lyon. But that away leg is one where you don't know. You don't know again. They need to certainly perform better than they performed against Schalke. Just to give the listeners the reasons why the game is not being played on a Thursday. On the 4th of May here in the Netherlands, it's the remembrance of the dead for the people who fought and died in World War II and in other wars. And on, uh, at 8 o'clock local time on the 4th of May, there's a, a two-minute two minute silence to be observed, so hence why the game was moved to a Wednesday. Um, I think if Ajax have aspirations to, um, to reach the Europa League final, they have to win the home leg. Uh, shortly before the pod started, I, uh, I read that Lyon have decided to take uh, Lacassette into the squad of uh, squad two Amsterdam. Um, I can see this game being a scoring draw. My prediction is that I think it's going to be two two, and um, I've, will no doubt be uh, the toughest test that Ajax have uh, faced so far in Europe. It's also a fantastic opportunity for Lyon. Um, but Ajax just need to give it their all. I think they have to be aware of um, two very consistent performers uh, in Lyon of uh, Mathieu Valbuena and um, Christophe Chalet. Um, I, but I think if Ajax show the same vigour and the same attitude they showed against uh, FC Schalke, uh, against Schalke Norfia in particular, then they may well surprise uh, Lyon. You must also not forget that this is a Leon side who absolutely destroyed um, um, Isaac Alton and have also beaten um, Besiktas uh, over two legs and Isaac Um So I think that Ajax just really, really need to give it their all. Play with the same levels of commitment and passion as shown against um, uh, Schalke and Copenhagen and Legia Warsaw in previous rounds and really try to grasp the opportunity because even though by uh, most insiders that most people are aware of Ajax, especially with the season they've had with the youth coming through, um, people are starting to take notice. I think if people, if Ajax were to reach the final, a hell of a lot more people would take notice. So it would be a fantastic opportunity for the uh, for the club and um, be a fantastic opportunity for Dutch football as well, especially with um, previous years falling short and with certain Dutch clubs not even getting through the qualifiers to all of a sudden have a Dutch representative in the final where even though it is the biggest club in the country and um, some supporters groups are not necessarily behind Ajax, I'm certain with, with the exception of Feyenoord, um, if Ajax were to reach the final, the whole of the Netherlands, the whole of the uh, Dutch football uh, fraternity, regardless of what club you are, would be wanting Ajax to win that final. I think the game might come down to mentality, because there's two sides of the coin. I I have a feeling that Lyon may slightly underestimate Ajax, uh, despite the fact they have a fantastic run, because um, Schalke made the same mistake. Um, and were run over by an Ajax side full of energy and intensity and quality. And it just wouldn't surprise me if Leon turned up, um, especially after the comments about AZ before they played them, they said, they're a Dutch team and we, you know, we, we expect to beat them um, and we should beat them. Um, I, I, it's, it's confidence, obviously, um, but I, I feel like similar comments may have been made ahead of Ajax, feeling that they're a superior side. 
um, and it might catch them out. As well as that, Ajax will be full of energy. The rest will have done them good. Um, and who knows? They 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 may see their title um, the title uh, defeat to Feyenoord. It might might leave with them having a bit more um, reason to really go for this game uh, and just give it their all. Uh, especially as it's a home leg as well. I think it'll make all the difference. Yeah, uh, I'm also very wary of some of Leon's midfielders. Uh, so, uh, Toussaint, who's the young midfielder coming through, and uh, Deliso. What they showed against Azad was the, uh, the very good passes, especially when receiving the ball or winning possession in the higher areas and can make that one pass that can that can break down a defence. Um, so, if Ajax would need to be wary of, about that. Uh, but the thing is, they will have um, two good ball players in Riedervold and Sanchez um, at centre-back. And uh, um, they, they also have uh, Tete, a right-back, who's more athletic, who's more back-and-forth than, than Veltman. And... That that will put he's I think he think he's a better fit for this game if he doesn't sort of get tricked into making uh, some really really hard tackles and get gets two yellows and a red fingers crossed. So I think Ajax, um, even though they have they have some suspensions as well, they, they they've got enough to to get through this game, and I'm very confident given what they did against Schalke in the home game. And given their run at home about this game um, throughout the, they haven't, they they're yet to lose at home in the Europa League this season. So it's 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 something that fills me with confidence. And I just just the rest that they have in between PSV and this game was was so important and just being refreshed and going and going out there like it's a completely new day. It's a completely new tournament. And just going out there and having, and you know, having those little things that comes with us, the creativity, the zest, the crisp passing. I think that's going to be very important for Ajax tomorrow. And another competition we should really talk about today is uh, the Eredivisie. Uh, I was thinking this morning that we've really got to talk about finals because we're always talking about Ajax, especially with their, their title tilt as well as their running Europe. But um, I feel like sometimes we don't quite talk enough about finals. And I just feel like this, you know, two games to go, four points clear, that we should really talk about how good a season they've had and what's what's made it happen. And this question on Twitter actually came through um, to really exemplify what I wanted to say. Uh, how would you guys rate finals Eredivisie win? Um, what was the difference between them and the other two clubs this season? They were efficient the highest scorers the division uh and they ended up buying a really world-class striker but they were also very workmanlike they aren't as easy on the eye as other teams aspire to be but they can you know play really nice they can set up really nice passing triangles out wide and cars can can be very exciting at times and and Valena and and um, Al Ahmadi have been, you know, brilliant this season. And Tunstrad's, you know, he's 
he's a few he's short of also getting to being the second person on the side with two goals and assists uh, uh double figures in goals and assists and just the way that you know uh Jorgensen just like shaped the team the, t- the players like enjoy playing with them and you know those little flick ons around the box his ability to play with his back to go and just uh create opportunities as well as score them and that this resulted in Elia having a good season Coit has scored a lot this season he scored a surprising amount of goals this season given his age and he's had to move in between the in, in between central midfield and the right wing and uh Bergheis has has been has proved to be very important and Basasikoglu has six assists and the highest uh, score to assist ratio but one of the highest uh, assist uh, game to assist ratios in the Eredivisie and five of his six assists have been for Jorgensen so just having a clinical striker like that but also creative has been very good and um when when it's come down to the nitty gritty things if they've dominated a team they've beaten the 5-0 they have dominated a team they've managed to scrape a win or scrape a draw and um they went to uh, PSV Eindhoven they they got a win the the uh they PSV Eindhoven came to the keep they beat PSV Eindhoven with a much different performance there and um having just uh you know just uh having the ability to also you know uh the defense has also improved this season with uh with uh um with uh, yeah with uh Congolo Duno and Botagin also been one of the standouts of the season so these are just the things that lead to a title winning side and you know they're being more consistent than everybody else from the start because when they went away to Groningen and won 5-0 at the start and they didn't have the slow start to to the season like Ajax and they also managed to um you know win a lot of their games and not have the silly draws like PSV so these are just the things that have led to them winning the title and they're more efficient than everyone else and they've you know in the games they've worked harder to beat teams than anyone else i think they've shown a lot of hunger and um i think the spine of their team has been one of the most impressive things from uh, from front to back with uh, with goalkeeper Brad Jones and uh, then Ali van der Heiden Alamadi in midfield and Tornstra with the assists and Ben uh, Jorgensen with the uh, with the goals i think it's been a fantastic team effort i don't think it's a title um, a title which the country was expecting but given the size of Feyenoord it's uh, you could say it's fairly overdue but it's uh, it is deserved they've been um uh Shaka like said from the from the off they've been uh, uh they've been top they've been uh, consistent to stay there through uh through the different periods of the season one did think when they were involved in european competition with uh um manchester united and fenerbahce getting knocked out of that might um might uh Had their confidence a little bit, but they've managed to uh, they've managed to respond well, and um, 
I think it'll be a very interesting game the weekend away to Excelsior. Obviously, in the city, they know well. Um, I think the first 20 minutes are going to be very interesting. But they've got, they've got, they only, only have to win one of their remaining two games to uh, come to confirm their uh, their title after first time in 18 years. And I, um, I think they'll look to put that to bed as soon as possible. As uh, as I mentioned on a. Um, as we touched on a previous pod uh, not so long ago, it'd be very interesting to see what they do in Europe next season to show how they've grown. They, the experience with uh, with the Europa League campaign this year will certainly stand them in good stead. And with home advantage in a very boisterous uh, Kalp, uh, stadium, uh, it won't be the most easiest place in Europe to visit as an away as an away team. I want to add to what both of you have said, as opposed to repeating it. Um... Because I agree with what you're saying about the particular players, it would be key. But um, to add to it, I, I think in the past, Feyenoords have slipped up far too often. Um, they've had always had a good start to the season and then having a, a dodgy result away from home and then again. And there were signs of that when they drew 2 2 away at Pectuala. But then you saw the influence of Van Bronckhorst uh, when he, in the, the next away game, away at Vitesse. He, switched, he changed tactics, he tweaked it. He noticed that his defence were a little bit slow. And what did he do? Instead of laying forward everyone like he, he did in the past, he always kept four players at the back. It may not have been his back four, but if he pushed forward the right wing back for an attack, the left wing back would come and defend. Or if both full backs were attacking, he'd have Vilhena and El Amadi both sitting in, in the two centre backs. Didn't see that against Pexwala. They were far too open and the, the two centre backs were, were were bare and could be very you know they were they were very attackable to with their, with the, with the pacey players, um, and yeah they they've they've just Van Bronckhorst has done a very good job at keeping the team together. He's played to the team's strengths, um, as Chuck said. They've they've the way they play is efficient. Um, it's not easy on the eye. They have they don't have particularly um, play, they don't have the one player that can open up a team. It's all it's all play for the mixture of players. It, it's also Van Bronckhorst doing the rotation because he's had the likes of Elia, Kautz, Tornstler, um, uh, Berghaus, and those those four players in particular have been key playing behind Jorgensen. But only three of them could play in the way that their, their formation is set up, or even two. So he's done well in the way he's he's turned he's he's rotated those players to keep them on their toes and know that they have to really earn their place. Even Dirk Kautz. There was a time where he wasn't happy he was out of the team, but he has to realise that everyone's going to play and you only get into team on merit. And, um, and just one final point as well. Uh, you saw the way they played um, against Man United when they beat them 1-0 in Depau. That style of play was evident again. They were efficient. They scored the chance they had. They defended very well. Um, and uh, another key one as well, I mentioned the previous podcast, Jano van der Heiden, uh, the centre-back, playing it to Bartahin. In my opinion, before season started, before season before that, that those two wouldn't have worked together. They're, they're two very slow centre-backs, but they're very strong. Van der Heiden in particular, though, he had a couple of off-seasons once he joined Feyenoord from Vitesse because um, he, when he was played in defensive midfield in the past, he's been pretty solid. but was always not, not very creative or very good on the ball. But now he's at centre-back, he's at home, but he, he struggled for a while. Um, 
mainly due to the pace. He made too many mistakes, but he's really pulled together this season. And in my opinion, he's not far off a national team call of even. Yeah, uh, I agree with what you're both saying. Uh, and just you have to think about, you know, Ben Van Beek, who's been out into the season, and he'll come back into a team where, you know, both uh, centre backs, Van der Hayden and Botek, you know, have done well, and he has his work cut out for him. Those, those talk of him about being one, of, being one of the leading young centre backs in the Eredivisie a season ago. And then now he he could find himself struggling to get back into the the team. Also, seeing how uh, Congolo progresses, um, if if he decides to leave, if he decides to stay, the, the summer will be will be important. And um, I think Van Brokos, as you mentioned, uh, you know. He, it, the way he sort of uh, set up his team, there's um, there's some there's some facets where you're like, this is some good coaching, especially when they when they move the ball out wide and they sort of break through teams and the way um, they put twin strand positions where he can really get into the pockets and create havoc. Uh, but he's he's still a very young coach, only his second season. It's going to be like. Philip Koku, it's going to be we really, really have a, a look at him as a as a coach next season. How he looks to retain the the title when every team's looking to beat them and every team will sort of um, you know um, will alter the tactics and things like that. And he has to also look to do something in European football and how how these players develop past the season. So it's gonna be a very in, it's gonna be very interesting next season in the aspects of uh Van Broncos as a coach and um, this team. So you just hope they don't lose the key cogs of the team of the team, you know, the Villanas, the Jorgensen's, the um the Congolo Botekins and uh, players like that, but uh, you hope they do, you know, move some players along so you know they can get more space in the squad for either youngsters coming through the academy or better players, you know. Uh, M. Johansson and um, is a highly rated player within Feyenoord, and Yari Schoolman and Calvin Verdonko are outside of Feyenoord on loan this season. And seeing how they assess during the the summer will be interesting. Okay, we have um, a question about the national team, Dutch national team. I've always liked the game of Dali Armas and feel like he can contribute to the to the Dutch national team. Um, can you get a call up now that he's he's not injured and he's he's back in amongst the Watford team again? Um, and just a quick note, by the way, I know one of you guys wants to make a point about Sankata as well. Um, yeah, go ahead if you feel like that. Um, I think uh, Dario Mark can definitely um, get back into contention for the national team. Um, he was um, he had a very unfortunate episode where um, when the Netherlands lost uh, away to the Czech Republic in um, in Prague during the last qualifying campaign where his uh, Belanda led to the goal and um, 
his confidence was knocked. But I think with playing regularly and, uh, and, and remaining fit and playing in a very competitive league, I think it's uh, I think he'll definitely get back into contention. But I think it really does depend who the Carver they choose. Uh, latest reports have been that um, Hankton Carter was originally uh, offered the job only to reiterate that he didn't feel that he had enough support from uh, the Kyber Bay in terms of um, in terms of uh, structure, in terms of long-term thinking. Uh, Rumours are still rife as to who um, who could well be uh, officially na- officially named as Dutch national team manager. Advocat appears to be the uh, the, uh, the leading choice at the moment, but due to his commitments at Fenerbahce, has has rebuffed any overtures to uh, to elaborate in the Dutch media as to whether he's held talks or not. But um, because he's fully committed to Fenerbahce, and and, and in his case, um, hopefully winning the um, the Turkish Cup final. As I read that uh, John van Schip, the new manager of Pek Swaller, has advocated Eric Den Haag as a potential replacement. But as I stated before uh, on previous pods when we've spoken about the national team, the Carver Bay, the Dutch FA, used to be extremely transparent, used to be really strong in their ethics in the way they would go about their business in in putting the needs of the national team first, and it appears as time has gone on, as time has gone on, that's been watered down a lot. Whereas you have certain figures now, in terms of Decaso as uh, commercial director um, and Hans van Broeklen as technical director, where they've seemingly came from nowhere to find themselves in the most important organisation in Dutch football. But you've also have to have the uh, you also have to have the um, the attitude to be able to take on the task and to run it. And um, it, ap- it appears in the case of Van Brokelen that whereas before the, um, the Dutch used to have a um, used to have a um, I think it was the technical director called Henk uh, uh, Kessler. And this is a man that oversaw the appointment of uh, Van Marwijk of um, uh, Van Basten. And um, um, looking uh, um, looking at those two names in the case of what from uh, Marwijk went on to do, there was an awful lot of transparency in um, in approaches being made and and quickly finding a resolution. And, and this is the the sad fact is it's the most you could say the most important job in Dutch football has become, especially the previous weeks, it's become a bit of a soap opera. Where you know what's happening today, he has broken and spoken with this person or with that person, was seen at a restaurant in Abu Dhabi with this person, and, and those kind of things. These kinds of um, details used to be kept behind closed doors, and when resolution was found as, a regard, as regards to a, um, a final decision, only then was it released to the media. And now it appears to be a little bit, uh, a little bit sloppy and a little bit careless. And I think. I think for all concerned, the quicker they find resolution, the better. But then you'll have the, the, the new manager being named. I personally hope through keeping an eye on it and uh, all the different um, developments that whoever it is is allowed to do the job. And it's not just spoken about, of, oh, you were maybe the second or third choice. Do you really feel that you were wanted? As soon as a, an appointment is made by the Dutch FA, everybody has to move on. 
regardless of who it is, everybody has to get behind the new manager and look to um, look to to finish the World Cup campaign with their heads held high. I I've stated before. I think it's too late. I can't see the Netherlands qualifying for Russia, but I stated that at the start of the qualifying campaign, due to the group they found themselves in. Um, but they've got to try to find a, a resolution and look forward and put um, put things in place for a brighter future. Um, I think in regards to the questions to Dario and Matt, I find it very hard for him to get into the national team with because I believe that right back is the most competitive position with all the young talent coming through in that position, you've got, uh, you've got um, Veltman, Tete, Karsdorp, uh, and um, you've got Hatterbor, who, although he played in as a winger at, at, for Atlanta, um, is also there. You've got, Ken, uh, you've got, you've got Dex, who's at Vitesse alone, but will move back to um, We'll move back to Fiorentina and we'll probably be under a new manager. So we'll have another chance to prove himself there. So I think only I only see Yanma playing if the new manager decided to come and move switch to a back three where he would need Yanma as a wing back because I think he would be the only, you know, right back capable of playing the him and Verhai. And um I I would see it as quite quite difficult for him to move there because, you know, Kazov's coming off a title winning season and Tete is one of, is improving, is improving and I hope that he stays at Ajax to improve further, especially if Veltman leaves. And then you also got a wild card in Josh Brenner because he will probably play at right back with Santiago Arias leaving and, um, he was also picked for a national team earlier this year or last year, but couldn't make it because of injury. So it's um, it's a very deep position with a, a lot of players under 25 there. So it, it would be very hard for them to get into the team unless they were to switch formation into into a back three where he would be more comfortable. So um, in regards to the national team coach, Vim van Hanegem said in his uh, in his uh, he said in his column that he wouldn't uh, like Dick Advocate because of because of the fact that he left last year and he would uh, he would have he would have preferred Ten Carter. I agree with James. It's about sticking with the person that gets picked and hoping that the KMVB don't slide too far down the 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 chart of managers because I think um, if they don't get advocate and they, they don't get the advocate Hulet uh, dream team then I think they should seriously start looking at some of the managers around the area of VC you know um, and uh, it's it's uh, important that the next new manager comes in and most importantly knows what he's going to do with this team and is, is, has a more experience because the team is in need of direction. Yeah, uh, the national team manager position, I think, 
Rude Hullet as an assistant manager is it's not a bad idea. Um, I think him alone as a manager is no go. I don't think he'd be suitable at all for that. But to bring his youth and vast experience in with uh, the relative uh, age and experience of Advocate might might be um, a good team together. But yeah, I, I don't agree with the fact that Advocate would be brought back from the dead almost to come back to the, the national team. The way he left wasn't wasn't right. Um, and I, I still think that he he's lost some of his ability as, as a trainer since he he actually was left Sunderland. He had a good season there, um, but went on and didn't quite pull out the stops. Um, and then said he'd go on to retire, but he didn't. Um, and since then, I don't think he's quite been the same manager. Uh, but yeah, I think a point about Janmart, um again, I don't think he'll get into the team mainly because of the amount of players in his position. It's a shame that we can't see that for the, the striker position, as there's not enough options up top at the moment, um, or particularly a quality option. There's good options, but not great. Um, same goes throughout wide as well. I, it's a shame that we've all got the choice, but it comes in, in defence. Just to quickly elaborate on another point of Advocat, um, if Advocat was to take the job, it would be, if he was to be offered the job and to take it, sorry, it would be the third time in his career that he, um, he would take the position. And I believe he's, he's either turning 70 or he's already 70. When Chris Hiddink uh, followed Louis van Gaal after the World Cup, Hiddink was also 70. And there was rumours of a, uh, a generation gap of can a 70-year-old experienced trainer, manager, be able to identify and be able to boost and be able to cajole and motivate a group of very young, eager, um, uh, 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 eager players that need to be perhaps taught how to work hard together and um, would he be able to identify with that? And if the Carver Bay um, go down the same route again, with the same risks of uh, a generation gap between between such an old experienced uh, manager and a very, very young squad, you could kind of say they're kind of making the same mistake. So um, I hope that resolution is found quickly and uh, I hope that well, let him get on with the job basically and see how things go over time yeah is that all for this week um, I just wanted to make one final point if I may yeah. um, the position of uh, Middlesbrough is looking a little bit precarious and I uh, I wanted to speak about Martin Delone who uh, um, was a stalwart for here and vain before signing for Atalanta was uh, his statistics in his season at Atalanta was uh, phenomenal and he's made a career choice where he could well find himself being a, a championship player come the end of the season. Maybe he will, uh, maybe he stipulated in his contract that he can move on but Shaka touched on Hans Hartable who also is getting good reviews in, um, in Atalanta. Um, you would hope that young Dutch players that are doing very well, you would hope, especially with the summer transfer window approaching, that whatever interest comes, they choose their clubs very carefully. Because I think uh, Martin Delone is a um, 
He's a very, very good player. He's certainly not a championship player. If you can play in the Eredivisie and you can play in Serie A and you can play in the Premier League by scoring goals and being important, being important, then then for him, to, for him with his experience, especially at the age of 26, uh, recently capped by the national team, being involved in the setup, for him to be a, a championship uh, player come the end of the season is a little bit sad, really. So I just uh, wanted to make the point about that. And, um, and that uh, with the transfer window approaching, that uh, young Dutch players that are of interest in many, many European clubs, that they choose their new clubs quite wisely. Yeah, totally agree. I think with De Lone, you'll see something similar to Wijnaldum last summer when he left Newcastle for Liverpool. Because Wijnaldum was a good player as it was already in the Eredivisie and he went to Newcastle. It was a step down in terms of the quality of players around him, but he knew that if he could prove himself in England, because that's where he wants to play, then he could reach the ultimate top. And a little far, far from that, they're going to be playing Champions League next season, um, should they qualify. Uh, and I think, yeah, we'll see some similar maybe not a Liverpool style kind of club, but there's always Ronald Koeman waiting at Everton. Um, and I think another name I could throw into that hat is Narsing. At Swansea, I'm I'm still not struck on the fact that he's Premier League quality, but I think he'll be keen to leave Swansea when they drop into the champion if they drop into the championship. Should I say, uh, as I think he's a decent player, he's got the the physical capabilities to make it in England. Um, but he he's he was a decent player at PSV, didn't have the best final season there, but yeah, he he he, he can do a job at another Premier League club. Similar to early way fair, should Swansea go down? Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, I agree with the Durham point. I don't think Narsing can leave. He he's he's been a, a bit part player since he moved, and he only yeah. moved in in January. Yeah. Leroy for it will be interesting to see which team takes him because he's been relegated with Norwich and QPR. And he could get relegated with Swansea, so it makes for a very, very unflattering narrative about him, which, which uh, would be unfair because um, when he joined Swansea last season, he, um, he he was one of the better players, and on his day, he's a very good player. And that's why clubs keep signing him, but unlikely for him, clubs that sign him go down. Um. I agree with uh, James. You need, uh, teams need to be careful about picking. Uh, uh, players need to be careful about picking their teams. Uh, Hatterboer has made a brilliant move to to Atlanta, a manager that loves working with young players. A, a league where can where it could possibly act as a stepping stone to something higher. He's going to play in different positions. He could play as a wing back. This. This week against UV, played as a winger in a three-four-three, which was very interesting for me to see. And um, I think uh, it's just a, a matter of having the right people around you. You know, they in regards to Memphis Depay's move to Lyon from Manchester United, he consulted with a sort of a data company to 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 see where he would get the most chance to see um, 
how which manager would sort of suit his style and things like that. So I think it will be smarter for uh, more players and their representation to contact a sort of group like that to see where's the best place for them to fit in. So that is all for this week's Football Daily Podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. As usual, you give us a thumbs up and special thanks to uh, James and Chuck for joining me this evening. We'll be back next week, maybe on Wednesday, uh, with more chat about uh, Leon and Ajax match and plenty more. Thanks. <laughs>